Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. And the winner is... Who was watching the Oscars last night when that awful mistake happened during the Best Picture announcement? Uh, one of the things that uh, that we all fear, I think, in our in our daily work, that uh, that you'll get to the the moment of truth and have the wrong answer or the wrong thing to say, uh, and then how do you clean it up? Uh, if you were watching last night and and related to that somehow, uh, give us a call today, uh, all hour. I want to hear from people who've made these kind of mistakes, who've seen these kind of mistakes. And talk about how that feels, and then talk about what you do to try to fix it. I thought one of the things that was really interesting about the Oscars last night was the way they tried to sort of patch things back together after La La Land was announced as Best Picture when really the Best Picture was Moonlight. There was a mad scramble on stage, uh, lots of apologies. Did they handle that right? How are you supposed to handle things like that? So, again, all our, if you want to talk about the Oscars uh, at all, uh, we'll, we'll take your call. We'll work you into the conversations we're going to have. 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. A little later in the show, we are also going to talk about the idea of the Black Lives Matter movement in the Trump era speech tomorrow by the author of a book from Black Lives Matter to Black Liberation. Gives us uh, occasion to revisit this subject, something that we've talked about quite a bit on this show over the last few years, uh, we'll talk. Uh, we'll talk about what is uh, what is expected for Black Lives Matter. What is it going to look like uh, in this new, more rancorous era of politics in the United States? But first, last week, Republican leaders in the state house forced a vote to reduce Michigan's income tax. That was despite the fact that they knew or seemed to have known. That they didn't have enough votes to pass the proposal. The measure failed in a late night session thrust upon lawmakers by the new state house speaker, Tom Leonard. Leonard has said the first thing he wanted to do as speaker was hold a vote on cutting taxes. That decision all but killed the proposal, and some argue it undercut Leonard's position as leader of his caucus and as leader of the lower house in the legislature. In an inexplicable twist to the failed income tax proposal, Leonard then stripped a fellow Republican of his committee chairmanship for apparently lying about how he would vote on the income tax cut. Another Republican who voted against the measure was set to call for an investigation into Leonard for his actions, and he canceled that announcement. What in the world is going on in Lansing? What is going on with the Republican caucus, which should be in a position to have more power uh, than it has in the past? Here to Help us sort that out is Rick Pluta, Capitol Bureau Chief of the Michigan Public Radio Network. Rick, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning, and and it's an interesting topic considering the uh, you know the, the the setup that you just described about the uh, about the Oscars. sort of a flub you know, how, of its how, own. How do you recover from a flub? <laughs> That's right. Uh, so so first, sort of set the stage for us in the the twelve to 16 hours before this happened at 3.30 a.m. on the House floor that you had this vote that that rebuked the Speaker of the House who had held everybody there for for uh, that that long. Uh, what what happened and how did this sort of, how did this unfold and then end up in this major sort of embarrassing move? Okay, well now that you've set up the rest of your hour, <laughs> because it might take that long, I'll, I'll, I'll try to be more succinct. Um, 
that the House Republicans had had rolled out this idea of uh, initially, um, um, actually over a four decade period, phasing out the income tax, but initially rolling it back to 3.9 percent, which is what it was during the Granholm years when it was um, boosted uh, um, ostensibly on a temporary basis to balance the budget during the double-dip recession. So when Rick Snyder uh, took office, um, he looked at the budget and said, we're not there yet, and got Republicans in the legislature to basically put that um, um, ratcheting it back down on, on hold once more. House Republicans came in and said, no, we're, gonna, we're, we're at the very least going to uh, bring it back to that. But the cost of, of what they're doing, depending on which iteration you're talking about, because that kicked off a bunch of negotiations as to, um, you know, first not phasing it out altogether and then tying it to how much money the state had in the rainy day savings account, but never fully answering the question, if we cut, if, if, if we reduce the income tax rate, what are we going to do to accompany it in terms of budget cuts? That sure. question was never answered. And Rick Snyder, for one, said, I'm not on board until we get an answer to that. And these dozen Republicans in the House Republican caucus said the same thing. We're not ready to support an income tax cut until we can tell our constituents where the budget cuts are going to be or where we're going to find an alternative source of revenue. Well, that set off weeks of internal discussions. Now, Speaker Leonard says that um, Jason Shepard lost his gavel over the House Financial Services Committee because he lied to him about the vote. And we should point out that Jason Shepard is going along with that explanation. But we know that for a couple of weeks that 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 punishment was dangled over um, Jason Shepard's head. Play ball or you're going to lose your committee chairmanship. He's the only committee chair, um, standing committee chair within that group of of a dozen Republicans who voted uh, who voted no. Now, in the wake of that, another state representative, Dave Pagel, said, hold on, first of all, I'm not buying that that this was about a lawmaker lying. And two, we need to have a talk about the strong arm tactics that were used by the speaker to try and get enough votes um, in order to do this, especially since a lot of people suspect that this uh, vote has more to do with uh, the speaker's aspirations to become attorney general and a lot of House Republican um, aspirations to become state senators. So um, now the the, the latest twist is Representative Pagel, who basically he was counseled that maybe a – um, a press conference on an internal caucus dispute isn't the best idea, um, is getting um, a little punishment directed his way by other members of the House Republican caucus. He had a bill that was supposed to be voted out of committee this week, and the committee chair, Clint Kesto, said, you know what? This guy's not a team player. His bill doesn't get voted on. Yeah. So this is what the House Republicans face as they return to Lansing tomorrow to try and, and stitch themselves back together and get uh, moving on the rest of their agenda, the income tax rollback, at least for right now, 
seeming to be um, probably permanently stalled. Yeah. You know, one of the things that, that I think makes me inclined to give a little bit of slack here is the new nature of this leadership group in mm-hmm. Lansing. I mean, Tom Leonard is now the Speaker of the House. But because of term limits, I mean, he hasn't been around a, a whole heck of a lot of time. I mean, he's yeah. he's new this to is, the this legislature. Is serving. Yeah, uh, yeah, so he's new to the legislature, not just to this leadership role. And it is more complicated than people think it is. For instance, to 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 shepherd a bill from, you know, the the committee stage to the floor to whipping members together to make sure that that they're going to pass and. Frankly, he's never had to do it before, so this is well, really his actually, first try. Well, that's, that's not entirely true, that we saw this last year when Tom Leonard um, held the, the gavel as the Speaker Pro Tem, yeah. the presiding officer of the State House, through the expulsion hearings for Todd Corser and Cindy Gamrat. And we saw that, that the House leadership then had not mastered the art of floor management. That right. is, knowing that, and, and one of those is knowing where the votes are, knowing that you've got the votes before you do it, that that we saw then that there was this idea, if we throw it up for a vote, people will feel like they have to do it. And um, they narrowly averted a, uh, a disaster there. And we saw the same thing play out here. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Rick Pluta, Capitol Bureau Chief of the Michigan Public Radio Network. We are talking about the failed process last week in Lansing in the legislature to pass a bill that would have begun reducing the state's income tax uh, to the point where it would eventually go away. Governor Rick Snyder was against that bill. Lots of other people were against that bill because it never identified either cuts to the budget that would help offset the loss of revenue or uh, other sources of revenue, other taxes that might fill the hole. In the end, uh, Speaker Tom Leonard brought it to the floor for a vote at about 3.30 in the morning, and it failed, which, of course, makes it a failure that reflects on him. Uh, Give us a call. Uh, Do you think the drama in the state legislature is affected by term limits, which means that there is nobody who is a member of our House of Representatives in Lansing for more than six years? Uh, How about maybe the idea of a single party that is in control of government? There is no opposition. Is that one of the problems that we have, why these kinds of Extreme uh, proposals are floating around as legislation. Uh, 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll try to work your comments into the conversation. Tell us what you think about the leadership in Lansing in the legislature. Uh, will it get its act together and move on some critical things that maybe need to be done uh, for our state? Or are they going to be ha- hobbled by this kind of flubbing of the legislative process? Also, if you watched the Oscars last night, saw the the, the colossal mistake made uh, with the announcement of the Best Picture winner. Give us a call. Uh, what did you think of that? What do you think about those kinds of mistakes? Uh, I think all of us who have jobs where we have to perform in some way, think about that, that day when you just say the wrong thing or read the wrong thing. 
uh, and and have to recover. Uh, we saw a massive scramble on stage last night to try to recover from that error. What did you think of that? How do you make up for that kind of error? Again, 313-577-1019 is the number. That's uh, 313-577-1019. So, Rick, I want to I wanna talk to you a bit about... You could call this the unforced error edition of Detroit today. <laughs> That's right. Everybody's doing it. Uh, um, so give me an idea of the relationship that is unfolding here between Tom Leonard, who's the Speaker of the House... <coughs> And uh, Arlen Meekoff, who is uh, Senate Majority Leader, and then Governor Rick Snyder, uh, all of whom are Republicans, all of whom I think would agree on a pretty basic uh, set of principles about what they want to do in government, but so far have seemed out of sync, I, I guess is what I would describe it as, because uh, they are not they are not pursuing the same kinds of policies uh, that that the others want to do. Yeah, we, we do seem to have three distinct camps of you know of, of how they want to proceed in um, in this legislative session, and two of them are are lame ducks. Arlen Mikoff, uh, the Senate Majority Leader, is going to be termed out, as is um, you know as is Rick Snyder. Uh, well, and, and and so will Tom Leonard. He's just got different. Um, He's just got different aspirations. And, and, of course, there are things that they're going to agree on. And, of course, in any session, you're going to see differences in the leadership. Right. The question here is, one, how stark are they? And, two, how are they going to make them work? You know, remember, we went through this um, in Rick Snyder's first term with right to work. When Rick Snyder kept saying, you know, not on my agenda, not on my agenda, that's not something I want to focus on, that's not on my agenda, to the point where the phrase not on my agenda be became a joke. Yeah, it's something people say to mock him late at this in, point. Late in the session, it was a high priority of then-House Speaker Jace Bolger, who was able to force it onto the agenda and then, you know, get the bill adopted by the legislature and uh, and signed into law. Sometimes it's cooperation. Sometimes it's a uh, it's a power play. But the we power... Will see, we'll, we'll see what happens with this group. Yeah. I mean, the power in the way that our, our state government is structured tends to favor the governor, right? I mean, we have a strong governor a form of, of, uh, mm -hmm. of, of government. Well, there, and, there's a phrase called Lansing math, which is um, 56, 19, and 1, right. which is the right. vote you need to get something through the House, through the Senate, but then you got to sell it to the executive. Yes. Uh, and, and in Rick Snyder's two terms as governor, we have not seen him assert the kind of control over the legislature that say a John Engler used to used to assert uh, certainly mm -hmm. he's not the first I think Governor and Jennifer Granholm had had certainly tried in in her later years she had the same kind of trouble that he has had uh, is that some of what is playing out here in the sense that Tom Leonard maybe doesn't feel like he owes a whole lot of his position mm -hmm. or credibility or or ability to govern to Rick Snyder and is off doing his own thing. It, it certainly seems that way, and, and, and interestingly, he is married to a top aide to the uh, lieutenant governor. That, 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 you know, he's literally married to the Snyder administration, yes. but uh, in many respects seems to be uh, at odds with it on some things. Rick Snyder's style, his CEO style, has been consensus-seeking. That's why he keeps saying relentless positive action, that uh, 
you know, it's rare that we've seen instances like we did with this income tax rollback where he came out so openly and forcefully against something that was starting to move through the legislature. We also know that the Senate Republican caucus, um, by and large, was skeptical of the income tax rollback. Right. But they saw it as more flash and show than um, a serious effort at, um, at, at, at policymaking, which meant that they weren't anxious to have this dumped on them uh, anyway. I mean, if anyone won in this particular episode, it's not just Rick Snyder, but it's also Arlen Meekoff, Arlen Meekoff sure. who didn't want to have to deal with this. Uh, again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number to join the conversation. You want to talk about the legislature? Want to talk about the Oscars flub last night? Uh, again, give us a call, join the conversation, or go to Facebook, uh, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. Jackie on Facebook says the deb- the debacle in Lansing is infuriating. Representatives are supposed to do what's in the best interest. Their constituents, not just the party line, uh, not just toe the party line. Uh, there should be no place for threats and bullying, something I hear from lots of people uh, about this legislature. Let's go to Matthew in Harper Woods. Matthew, welcome to Detroit Today. Yeah, I'm glad you're talking. It was kind of funny about the Oscars, but at the end of the day, you know, doing an investigation and that whole thing is not going to impact the lives of people like tax cuts and different things, but. I um I think one I did think immediately the impact of term limits and maybe talk a little because it's not I like term limits but at the same time I realize people start in January to do a major legislation they don't there's a skill set involved but then on the other thing I think the bigger issue and you might talk about it, is world view because for me I don't see taxes as revenue it's not something they went out and worked for whereas you all probably would say well it is revenue because it's coming in and I guess the biggest issue I see is um, world view. And I, um, so I don't know. That's just my thought. I so wish they would, would do away with the income tax. So what would, if, if they did away with the income tax, Matthew, uh, for instance, um, what, what would the roads look like in, in our state? Uh, what would social services look like in our state? What might schools and things look like? I mean, think of the money that comes from the state to your, to your local city, Harper Woods, for police and fire. To the road in front of your house. To the road in front of your house. I mean, how would you pay for those things if you didn't have an income tax? Well, that's what the other thing I was thinking, though, to counter my thinking when I was in there, I was like, but that's a major, major thing that's set in place. And then the first months of the new legislature, like trying to do something, you, you have to kind of think out, okay, how would that happen? Right. I think long term it would be a good goal, but definitely your, your points are exactly, I can't argue with those. But I think on the same thing, I think the bigger issue you're asking with its worldview. So you don't you don't up, you don't uh, want to pay you don't want to pay income tax, but you wouldn't have a problem if they replace that with another kind of tax. Well, maybe sales tax or something. But I know it works in Texas, Florida. I know they're bigger, bigger states. But when you get, I just think it's it's crazy how much money we pay in income tax. Yeah. It's just my take on it. Um, but at the same time, I will concede your point. It's like you can't do something so major. You have to think through how would that play out. And so I don't know, but the term limits and then worldview would be my two um, thoughts. Thank yeah. you, guys. Okay. Great no, talk. Matthew, Although thanks. When you, when you do a comparison with, with Texas and Florida, you know, keep in mind that, that Florida tourism is the revenue. $4 billion dollars a year in, in, in and revenue. And in Texas, $8 it's, billion it's oil, dollars in oil. Yes, yeah. revenue yeah. That, um, you know, that, that brings it in. Yeah. We 
don't have those in you know in, in, in the same volume. <laughs> we do not. Uh, again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number to join the conversation. Three one three five seven seven one zero one nine. What do you think about uh, the legislature and its effort to get rid of the income tax? Didn't succeed last week, but they may take another pass at it. What do you think of the Oscars flub in uh, Hollywood last night? They're reading the wrong picture for best picture. Again, 313-577-1019. Eric in Rochester, you're next on Detroit Today. Good, mor- good morning. Um, sort of following up on the last caller, but a different approach. It, it just seems to me that Governor Snyder in the first term, uh, it was the tax tail trying to wag the dog. And so we had a tax cut to business, shift the income to individuals, and now we see the state not having enough money for infrastructure uh, and other needs. And now we've got the state legislature saying, okay, well, let's cut the individual income tax. And it see, I, I, and sir, I'd be certainly uh, interested in comments as to what is, what's the perceived end game for uh, the current legislature, aside from a tax cut, wh- what do we do as a state? How do we take care of the needs, even though they may argue, even though the position may be for Republicans, smaller government, there are just certain things that the government has to do. Sure. And how do we go about doing it? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the frustration I think yeah, a lot of people have looking at what the legislature is doing and what they're talking about is is this lack of context, uh, I think is probably the best way to put it, Eric. Uh, the, the idea that uh, you may not like the income tax, you may think the income tax is too high, but is it a responsible conversation to have in a lawmaking chamber about getting rid of it in a state where there isn't all, there, there already is not enough money to do the things that government is supposed to be doing schools roads uh, police and fire uh, that's the that's the, the 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 thing that i think is driving some people just a little nuts uh, rick pluto would you agree with that yeah and, and let's keep in mind you know the the tax conversation itself is not over that that now this house republican income tax rollback you know seems to have been fatally wounded you know you never know for sure because every bill you know exists through the uh, end of the session, but this one is kind of done. And if the goal was to adopt a tax cut, then uh, an, an income tax cut, then um, Speaker Leonard and the House Republican leadership did that cause no favors last week. Sure. Um, and should also point out, he may have also succeeded in creating a cohesive group within his own Republican caucus that will act as a foil on um, you know many of these uh, more controversial uh, aspects of at least the fiscal program. But over in the Senate, where they haven't adopted um, the same, you know, Republican caucus agenda list of priorities, there is some interest in an income tax rollback. But the real interest, because remember that the individual, you know, quote unquote, relief in this was 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 pretty modest. Um, And so you weren't going to get that much in the end, anyway. Yeah, Senate Republicans are looking at this and go, "Well, what can we do to, you know, maybe target that a little bit more, so that when we send again tax quote unquote relief back to our constituents, that they're actually seeing something for it, and they're thinking about child care, um, maybe something in terms of um, property taxes, or maybe something in terms of tuition that would 
provide a more tangible uh, benefit. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Carrie in Detroit. Carrie, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning, Stephen. Hey. Oh, um, Terry, it's Terry. How are yeah. you? <laughs> hey, I just wanted to say it'd be great if the legislature would take up Mayor Duggan's proposal to really get at insurance reform in the state of Michigan. I think that'd be a, a great way to get real money back in people's pockets. Yeah, uh, great, mm-hmm. great subject. Uh, and and there's a proposal, as you point out, that's been that's been made. Thanks very much for the call, Terry. Rick Pluta, update us on where the legislature is with the insurance reforms that are being discussed. A lot of a, a, a lot of um, internal discussions right now. Now, keep in mind that the new House Speaker, Tom Leonard, was in the last session the person designated as by, by the House Republicans to walk point on the issue of um, a no-fault uh, auto overhaul, which, is, which has just been you know, the uncrackable nut for as long as I've been in Lansing, and I've covered this place for 30 years. Um, so we, we, we could conceivably see some movement on that, that there doesn't seem to be a lot of appetite for de-insurance, uh, largely because there's still a lot of opposition to that within the Detroit caucus. Right. Um, but, you know, we, we may still see something. And, and part of it, too, is there's universal agreement that if the Detroit recovery is going to be complete, there are a few things that need to happen in terms of budgeting, in terms of schools, and definitely in terms of making auto insurance affordable for the people who live or would like to live in the city. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the thing about insurance also, there is also this this talk about reform of no fault statewide uh, in the legislature that that seems to sort of swirl around the de-insurance yeah. question. I, I don't. I don't think that if there's an auto no fault overhaul that um, it can be done in a way that's uh, confined to the city of to Detroit, Detroit sure. or even to our, our our larger urban areas. It's going to have to be. Um, more more statewide. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, let's go to uh, Robert. Robert in Macomb County. Welcome to Detroit Today. Hello. Hey, um, Robert. I believe that the legislator hasn't been challenged being prosecuted for the EM law, along with the governor and the attorney general, for the murders and the poisoning in Flint, basically. They took a safe and operating and functioning water system offline. They knew it worked. The reason it was switched over was because it was too difficult to treat the water. They knew that, and the federal government has given every water system in the United States operating instructions. They had the operating instructions. They didn't follow them. They chose to do everything they did, and they've never been prosecuted. You know, That's why they're out of hand. If you can murder children in the United States, right. in the open, Robert, and get away with it. You can get away with anything. Yeah, Robert. I. I mean, I, I. I. don't disagree with you about the the extent to which you know Flint was a likely criminal tragedy. Uh, I, I. I'm not sure that that I'm not sure that that connects um, so so closely to this this issue of what they're doing with with taxes. But but I do hear what you're saying that that they and there are still criminal investigations underway. There are. There are. Uh, I mean, I, and I don't want to read too much into what Robert was trying to say, but I do think he's trying to get to this idea that there's a lack of accountability that uh, 
that that seems to exist between uh, you know the people of this state and the people who govern it that uh, that we don't see that sort of responsiveness and and Flint's a, an interesting example of that. I mean, a tragic example of that. Here with the income tax, you know, with the number of people who clearly understand that you can't just repeal, you know, a billion dollars worth of revenue and not replace it. It's it's the same thing in a very different category, though. I mean, in a, in a category that does not have the same kind of I think uh, life and death issues, at least up in in the front. Um, well, it's, do you remember? Do you remember the um, the first Austin Powers movie? And there's <laughs> the scene where the guard puts up his hand and yells "No" as the steamroller is heading toward him, uh-huh. and yes. then the camera pans back, <laughs> and the the um, you know the joke, the yuck is that it's it's a very slow moving steamroller, and that's exactly what these it, it's just a perfect metaphor for these sorts of uh, of issues that yeah. the the stakes are dire they just play out over a very very long period of time right right um let's take uh let's take one more call here uh jim townsend jim townsend former yeah. state rep jim townsend correct yeah <laughs> is this is? hi hey jim how are you i'm doing well it's nice to uh, talk with you and nice to hear you and rick on the on the radio yeah uh-huh what's going on well i just wanted to um point out that um the policy the proposal to cut the income tax is a terrible idea not just because of what it would do to the budget it's a terrible idea because it's really unfair um when you cut the income tax the way it's been proposed to be cut, uh, you know, just a flat cut in the income tax, you give a massive windfall to people who are at the very top of the income distribution. The richest people get a huge tax cut, and people in the middle and the bottom get very little or nothing. Number well, and one. This is... and number two, we should, we should probably disclose that uh, when Jim Townsend was in the legislature, he yes. was the uh, champion of for the, progressive the, uh, the, the proposal to do a graduated income tax. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm glad you mentioned that, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and the, I mean, I guess the point that you're raising really points to uh, this idea that a flat tax, any any change in taxes uh, under a flat tax benefits people at the upper end of the of the you know economic scale more than people in the middle or at the bottom just simply because they're already paying in raw dollars more uh, and so that's a you know that's a more fundamental issue is do you have a flat tax or do you have a graduated tax and Jim Townsend as you said as we said you have been a a strong proponent of the idea of changing the way we collect taxes here in the state of Michigan to make it more progressive uh, did we lose Jim there? Oh. Uh, oh, there a couple of minutes ago, um, you know, was seemed to be uh, really unsure about what the tax system meant to him personally. Uh, he thought, well, you know, may, maybe it'd be okay if we if we had more of a sales tax or or, or something else. And um, as, as you and I have, we've discussed in the past, this, the reason uh, the income tax is so important to keep and and hopefully, you know, in my mind, you know make progressive is all the other taxes that people pay, sales tax um, and property tax in particular, fall disproportionately on middle and low income people. 
when you look at it, you know, as a percentage of income, they're paying a lot higher percentage of their sure. incomes in those other taxes. And the only way to offset that is with uh, the income tax. That's right. That's and so right. when we cut the income tax, you know, we're just going in the other direction. And of course, as you point out, Stephen, we're not able to fund essential services of government. Yeah, like that's my biggest. That's growth. my biggest concern is is that you you're talking about a state that can't do basic things consistently uh, because there isn't enough revenue and there's not enough revenue growth. You're talking about making that all of those problems worse by by even even reducing taxes, let alone just getting rid of. Uh, one of the one of the most important sources of revenue that uh, that they have. But Jim, thank you very much uh, for the call. Go ahead, Rick Pluta. Well, I was just going to say that that you know there's there's this you know dilemma, and you know the art of taxation has been described as trying to pluck the chicken with the least amount of squawking. And as we pointed out earlier in the session, we don't have. Um, such a robust uh, tourism industry that, you know, we can rely on out-of-state travelers to um, pick up part of the freight like uh, Florida does. And we don't have um, a huge incumbent natural resource like oil and gas that allows Texas to uh, do the same. So the question is, what are you going to do? The nice thing about the flat tax is it's simple that, that, you know, everyone just pays the uh, same rate and, uh, you know, you've got a, a small number of deductions that people can apply to it, and anyone can understand and do their taxes uh, very, very easy. The problem with that approach is, um, like, you know, the former representative, you know, pointed out, that then it's not rooted strictly in people's ability to pay, which is what a graduated income tax is about. And so the question is, as you're figuring out how you're going to lay out all of these things on the game board. It's what's the basic tax that you're going to apply? How are you going to figure out um, deductions and focus it on um, most on the people basically, you know, who, where the money is, on, right. on the people who have the capacity to pay it so okay. that you can rely on the revenue. Yeah. And so there's this question of do you spread it out over a broad mix of things or do you try to focus it? Yeah. All right, Rick Pluta, Capital Bureau Chief for the Michigan Public Radio Network. Thanks, as always, for being here on Detroit Today. As always, a pleasure. Yeah. All right, up next, we're going to talk a little more about the Oscars flub with Candace Fortman, who's the social media manager here at WDET. Stay with us. Stay with us on the phones. 313-577-1019 is the number. Stay with us on Detroit Today.